Thank you very much, all those on the platform. Second Chronicles 20. I began Monday very convinced on a particular sermon. And then it became evident that that sermon would become something toward the end of the year or the beginning of next year. So then I became very convinced on another sermon called The Blessing of Brokenness. Uh, and then this thought just took over and won out. So this is um, what you're going to get tonight, Second Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to read. Uh, and I could tell the story, but I think the reading is a little more... Um, Moving, descriptive, um, I'm going to read, and it was a, a juncture in World War II. It was the spring of 1944, and the war machine of Nazi Germany had steamrolled its way through Europe, stockpiling nations as it went. France had crumbled under Hitler's cruel tyranny, and England was surely his next prey. So meeting in an emergency session, the military leaders of the Allied nations huddled together. Supreme Commander General Dwight D. Eisenhower faced the most critical decision of the war. After reviewing the latest intelligence reports and conferring with his top military brass, Ike made the tough call. A massive surprise invasion of German-occupied France. The date would be June 5, 1944. On May 31st, thousands of Allied troops began piling into ships, ready to sail across the choppy waters of the English Channel to the coast of France. The time to launch the surprise attack was at hand. But during the early hours of June 4th, as if swept by the invincible hand of Providence, severe weather blew across the Channel. Screaming winds lashed down, Angry rain and the horizontal streaks. The weather was too violent for the invasion to succeed. <clears throat> General Eisenhower was forced to make a gut-wrenching decision. The daring attack must be pearls around him. The invasion could not be postponed much longer. Looking into the eyes of these legends in the making, I posed the question, what should they do? Upon their decision rested the destiny of England to say nothing of the cause of democracy in the free world around the globe. Half said go, half said no. So the decision now rests solely upon Eisenhower's shoulders. Only the supreme commander could make the final decision. While pacing the floor for what seemed to be an eternity, Eisenhower calculated every option. Then turning to his top military brass, he looked them square in the eyes and said, Okay, let's go. Now what followed was a massive military invasion, uh, one of the biggest in world history. And the element of surprise was seized. Now, this is a very powerful illustration when you think about the spiritual climate of our world. The daunting task of world evangelism, the strongholds that the devil has over cities and nations, and the fact that it will require incredible risk and sacrifice in order to gain. But what really stands out with this little window that this meteorologist was in tune with, this little window, 
But in the midst of our thrust to establish the kingdom of God in cities and nations, God has supreme oversight. There is a supernatural hand of God that we rely upon in order to accomplish all that God has set before us when it comes to evangelism, discipleship, church planting. But add to this the tasks of life, living for God in an ungodly world, and overcoming fallen culture. On top of that, all the pressures of life that people face. It's a daunting task. But we are going to have to be in tune with God and trust God that as we do the physical and commit our time and resource, that God is going to do supernaturally what we cannot do. He's going to supernaturally guide us and open doors and show us favor in the midst of the battles that we face and though times there will be raging storms around our lives if we are in tune with god he will show us and give us windows of opportunity that will produce great victory and breakthrough and i want to preach about a sermon called the battle is the lord's and i'm going to read a bit of a lengthy text but i think the whole text needs to be out there for you so let's read second chronicles chapter 20 beginning in verse 12 oh our god will you not judge them now they're they're surrounded the uh the um people of ammon and moab are coming against god's people they say we have no power against this great multitude that is coming out against us nor do we know what to do but our eyes are upon you Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children stood before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jehiel, the son of Matthiah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. He said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeril. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they arose early in the morning, went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. 
Now, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude and there were dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables and the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And when they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much, and on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they blessed the Lord, therefore the name of that place was called the valley of Baraka. Until this day, the battle is the Lord's. I want to first consider the battle that we face. Now, there is an enemy, a very sworn enemy of the cross tonight. And along the way, as we set out to do the will of God and establish the kingdom of God, this enemy employs his strategies and assaults against us. Now, in this text, the enemy of the land comes against the people of God And this was no small battle at hand. This was an overwhelming moment. Verse 12, as they're speaking to God, they said, Lord, we don't know what to do. And how many know there will be times of struggle and battles that we face when honestly we have no answer. Or we're too weary to find an answer. And without a doubt, the best prayer you can offer to God At times we, Lord, I don't know what to do. Because too many times self-sufficiency gets in our way and gets in God's way. And there will be times that we don't need a better plan. We simply need God to intervene and speak to us. You'd be surprised how powerful just God, just a word, just... Just like Elijah in that moment, he's looking for all this massive move of God in a still small voice. And I will say this, you have to be very careful in the decisions and the moves you make when you don't know what to do. My advice is, don't just do what's in your mind. And the direction of the text or the counsel given is, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So in other words, don't panic, don't react emotionally, calm down, seek God and wait until he shows you what to do next. Because there is an art to fighting life's battle as a Christian. It's no longer the way we used to fight life's battles. Uh, Amen. There's a whole another realm that we're involved in and there's an art to fighting life's battles as a Christian, and the Bible reminds us in Ephesians 6, 10 through 14, of the nature of what we're involved in. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God 
so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. So here's here's the reality of where we're at. You know, I was thinking in light of the acceleration of things happening in our world and and, and the latest uh, on the on the landscape is the whole Paris uh, uh, terrorist attack and there's so much other things that that have accelerated but i was thinking about the power of the prayers of god's people you know we can affect these situations through our prayers we can evoke the hand of god through our prayers in those places amen god can do just like he did in this text where they begin to cry out to god and he confused the peoples and they turned on one another i believe that but so many of us, we're sleeping in, uh, we're lazy, uh, we don't have a prayer life, uh, and yet evil runs rampant. And one of the biggest mistakes people make uh, is to act out of their own rationale when God seems to be silent or when facing a situation they don't have an immediate answer for. Biggest mistake you can make uh, is that you're going to go on your own rationale and just figure it all out. And I'm not saying you just passively resign. Uh, amen. But I'm talking about you better be very careful. We must always remember that the devil is active in the midst of life's circumstances. And the devil would love to corner you in this time where you lack direction or you feel overwhelmed. Decisions and actions can be implemented that results will stay with you for a long time to come that you don't just undo. And the devil is especially active when you're in a desperate or unsure mindset. And here's where many have gone off course for many years and some have even disqualified themselves. Because the devil specializes in presenting scenarios that you have no initial answer for. Because remember, we're dealing with demonic workings. We're not just dealing with what life serves up and that's it. There's a whole other realm at work and the devil specializes in trying to serve up scenarios that initially we have no answer for. This is why you have to have a personal prayer life. Because prayer is the place that God shows you spiritual strategies. He reveals to you a plan. He gives you a sense of direction. It's in prayer that your emotions are calmed and your spiritual ear is open to God. One of the traps we must avoid is the trap of seeking immediate relief. Because decisions made while seeking immediate relief often cause the problem not only to linger, but become more complex. Because sometimes there isn't immediate relief. It's a process. And in our our panic and in our undiscerning ways, we begin to launch out in certain desperation when you should be simply praying. And you must be careful With the mindset that says, well, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of trusting God. And you'll be there at times. But you can't give in to that. Because that will certainly spell defeat for your life. 
And it's real easy just to do what's in your heart to do and and worry about the fallout later, thinking somehow it will bring relief or somehow it will bring some sort of justice. You must be able to remove the panic, the emotional tension from your decision-making process. Certain times are not the times to make the decision. Certainly when your emotions are all over the place. Or if you're a married couple and you got to be real careful and, and this isn't a hit against wives, but you know, wives' emotions will get going and they'll get to rearing and a man oftentimes uh, uh, will, will succumb to that. Not being discerning and wise about the process. Calm everything down. Ammon and Moab were long-standing enemies of Israel. When the second generation of Israelites were about to go into the promised land, God said, don't meddle with Ammon, for I've not given you the land of Ammon. But yet this very enemy is now a major problem in causing them much anguish. And this shows us that God allows certain struggles to develop faith in our lives. I said he allows certain struggles to be able to develop faith in our lives. So here are God's people. And God says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, that's not what our impulses tell us to do. When things are happening and we're panicking and and things are encroaching upon us and and, and life's pressures, it's not in us just to stand still and And see the salvation of the Lord. But this is the counsel that God gives them. Because God is going to move. And the people are not going to have to fight. But they're going to have to trust. And how many know sometimes that's a lot harder. To have to trust God. So let me talk about secondly keeping your emotions in check. The devil loves to inflame the emotions of God's people. In our text, their emotions are trying to send them into this panic mode, this distraught frame of mind. And what they did right in verse 12, they said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's what they did right. There's a lot they could have done wrong here. But what they did right was simply, uh, I don't know what to do, but I'm certainly not going to do what I think is right to do. God, my eyes are on you. Here's Peter as he steps out of the boat to walk on the water. His eyes uh, are on Jesus uh, in the middle of the storm as waves are crashing down. But his eyes are on Jesus. But the moment that he took his eyes off Jesus and placed them on the storm, he sank. Now listen to the counsel of Jehaziel while under the influence of the Spirit of God. In verse 15, thus says the Lord to you. How many know we need some thus says the Lord in our lives? Do not be afraid or dismayed because of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Now that sounds really good in a sermon. That sounds good in a pulpit message. 
Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Because of this great multitude, don't worry that you're so outnumbered and they're better men of war than you and everything about this means disaster for you. God says, for the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Now that that's terrific if you really believe it. If you don't, you're in trouble. And the counsel of God is don't let your emotions take over and drive you into an unstable mindset. And this is timeless counsel from God that you're going to have to refer to again and again. Think about this. They are in an impossible situation in human terms. And God's counsel is do not be afraid or stressed out or discouraged. Well, easy for you to say, right? Now, if you think about it, these are the big three emotions that we deal with all the time. Fear, anxiety, and discouragement. More of the people I pray for, for sickness in their body, it's linked to stress and anxiety more than anything else. Bitterness would be right behind it. Right there. And yet God is saying, don't don't resolve to those things because the battle is not yours. Yeah, but Lord, I'm in the battle. I'm the one facing it. Yeah, but it's not yours. It's mine. I lead people in a prayer of repentance all the time saying, Oh, God, forgive me for I have taken upon me what is not mine. It's yours. The key to this situation in our text working out was their ability to stay calm. They gave this over to God. And out of this, God spoke to them and gave them direction. This is critical. If this isn't happening in your life, you need to stop everything you're doing. Keeping your emotions in check while under duress is paramount to victory and success. Because the power of the devil is in his lies. How many know that? It was 1930. Germany. Germany was dying and desperate. They were looking for a national savior. Their factories were closed. Unemployment was rampant. Communism was threatening to overtake the country. In this time, the man we know as Adolf Hitler rose to power. He came as a messenger of hope, a restorer of confidence, a broker of prosperity. To the German people, a golden era had come. Adolf Hitler was the great spokesman and he was able to captivate crowds and his message was of a bright tomorrow. He promised to rebuild the collapsed economy, which is why you need a good foundation in the word of God, because you never know which side of mouth that a politician is speaking out of. But the only problem with all of this is it was all lies. It was all lies. Just like the man we have in office now, he told complete 100% lies and is sitting there. Anyway, another story. Because that wasn't his intention at all. Adolf Hitler was hell-bent on one thing. Destroying the Jewish race and intent on crushing the world. Now, Jesus said in John eight forty four. The devil was a murderer from the beginning 
and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Here's the power of the devil. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. This is what he does. This is what he did to Eve. This is what he does to us. Here's the power of the devil. He will capitalize upon your insecurity, upon your fears in your time of discouragement and speak incredible lies into your mind and emotions. It's amazing how this works. I remember it was in uh, 2001. It was three. Actually, 911 happened and we already had purchased tickets to go to Spain for the first invasion team. And uh, some of you were on that invasion team. Uh, and I'm telling you, getting a grip and a dominion in my mind in the weeks heading up was was the toughest thing I'd ever had to do. Because the devil was capitalizing upon all that had happened uh, and trying to dictate uh, And trust me, at that moment, if I had any way to get out of that trip, I would have. Honestly. When we went through Hurricane Ike in Houston in 2008, the reports were 20-foot surges, which if a 20-foot surge would have happened in Galveston Island, it would have been very, very bad. And they had this horrible outlook, uh, and it was a cat. Four, I think, and when it hit, it was supposed to stay a cow. Anyway, all that, well, it never became what they reported. It was still bad, but it never became what they reported. And one reporter said, it's our job to give you the worst case scenario. It's just like the devil. He'll give you the worst case scenario. He'll seek to inspire this in your thoughts and emotions. Doesn't matter what it is that's happened. All of a sudden, we just jump to these radical, crazy conclusions. Well, that's not all 100% just your emotions. Your emotions are pretty strong. But the devil's playing on something in us. uh, And he's promoting this worst case scenario. And it it seizes us. And it takes control of our faith. uh, And it begins to dictate our future. Because now we are looking into the future with this dismal outlook, with this lie that's in our head. We're taking the reality of a circumstance and the devil's projecting that somewhere else. Worst case scenario. Because the devil feeds off of unbridled emotions. And his lies are far more illuminated when your emotions are getting out of control. Have you ever noticed that? Way, way more. It's like they say that an animal can sense your fear and will feed off of that. Now, it's said, I don't I've never tried it. I have a friend that was a meter reader. That says he did it once and it worked. But that if you have a dog that you're facing down, it's a mean, nasty dog. Run at it and act like. "Ah!" And he'll run away. I know, man. But this is the same dynamic that the terrorists of the world feed off of, isn't it? And all that derives from the devil. I saw a great, I was trying to, it was on the the blaze and I was, it was a little thing I saw before church and a military guy, he's in uh, South Korea 
And I don't know if he put one of those sticks out with his phone on to do this, but he's he's out and he says he's in South Korea and he's a Christian. And I mean, he's preaching it. You would thought he's from this fellowship the way he's preaching. And he was just preaching about the Black Lives Matter movement. He's a black guy himself. And he's preaching about uh, the Paris attacks. And he's and he's he says, oh, the devil. It's the devil. And he's, he was preaching. I mean, he was challenging about about doing something for God. And his last part of the challenge was Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Yeah, look it up. It's powerful. So let's talk about making a way for God to move. Because there's a key statement in our text in verse 15. The battle is not yours, but God's. Now this will set you free. Me not alleviate all that you're facing. Me not resolve everything in your life, but it will set you free. The battle is not yours, it's God's. It's not about you making a way. It's about you making a way for God because the battle is his. And it's an interesting strategy that they employed. In verses 20 through 22, so they arose early in the morning and went to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Can preaching still encourage you? Can it still get you out of your funk? Because that's really important. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. Sing, sing. They're going to sing. This is the power of worship. And who should praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they begin to sing and praise the Lord, praise the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah and they were defeated. Here's a very powerful picture for us. So they had this army. They could have gone out to fight. And that's what the army was for. It was to fight. And they would use those armies in battle. But they placed worshipers in front of the army. Now, that wasn't always the case. That wasn't the way they did it in every battle. But obviously, they were in tune with something this day, weren't they? And so they set the worshipers in front of the army. In other words, God, we can go and fight with our weapons training. But if you're not involved, we're doomed. How many know that's still true today? We can go out and, and do whatever we do in life and try to resolve the problems and whatever. But if God isn't with us, if he's not in on the process, we're doomed. They turn to worship and prayer in order to make a way for God. That never changes. Never changes. That's where you ought to always be turning. Things are beginning to come unglued in your life and tensions are rising up and the lies of the devil at work or your home is in disarray. Things are happening. Your children are backsliding, whatever. Where do we turn? To worship and prayer? To make a way for God? The people of God did not get in God's way by imposing their own will or acting upon their own fear and discouragement. 
And the end result was an overwhelming, not only victory, but powerful blessing that resulted. In verses 24 and 25, so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude and there were dead bodies. Fallen on the earth, no one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables and the dead bodies and precious jewelry and stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Not only did they see this powerful victory, but this blessing, this overwhelming blessing. So often we're robbing ourselves because we're not making a way for God. We're just impulsive. We're just reactionary. Our emotions are all over the board. So I want to look at the three things that they did to make a way for God. The first of those is they stood still. Significant of waiting on God. Waiting to see what God would do. And this waiting involves obedience. It isn't passive resignation. This was the hardest part for Israel when they were backed up against the Red Sea because panic wanted to to settle in. This is why you have to have somebody that's in tune with God. Somebody that will stop and calm everybody, whether it's in your home, a ministry, a church, whatever, because this is the part that Moses played. He's hearing from God. Everyone else is freaking out. But we find the same counsel given to them as was in this text in Exodus 14, 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you this day. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see you will see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So God does this often. It wasn't just a one-time thing. God involving himself. We know by following Israel's battles in the Old Testament that even though it didn't always say God fought for them, we know it was God because the times they weren't right with God, they lost. Stand still. They didn't panic. They did not implement their own plan. They did not remove themselves from their place. This is important because so many people's way is I'm just going to get out of here. I'm just going to go to another city, another place. You can do that. You're liable to cause a real mess. Stand still. Resolve the trust in God. As hard as it is at times, this is often the most spiritual thing you can do and the most spiritual advice you can give. So the second thing they did was they sought God. In the text, they're praying. They're saying, Lord, we're in this situation that's out of our control. We need you to move. They're praying and the spirit of God comes upon Jehaziel. This is what we need in our prayers. The spirit of God to come on us. Comes upon Jehaziel and he began to bring them a prophetic word from God. God still does that, you know. God still does that. And supernatural things happen when you pray and God gets involved. 
I'm telling you, I was really captivated by this. I'm, I'm reading a couple of different news outlets for church. And, and I mean, it, it's, it's, it's crazy out there. All over the world. Ernie loves sending these crazy videos to you at night right before you go to bed. And I only watched like a little bit of it. He, Did you watch it? Well, I didn't really tell him because I didn't want to sleep on that, you know. But, but it's crazy out there. But it was really just capturing me. It really just got in my spirit. You know what? God's people's prayers are what God is looking for. This is what will make a difference. This is what will push back the encroachment of evil and wicked schemes and frustrate the plans of the enemy. Oh, if God could just get us to wake up in the morning and and lay hold of God, if he could just get us to have some passionate, focused time of prayer, not yabba-dabba-doo and off we go. They sought God. They're in a situation, if God doesn't move, it's doom and gloom. They sought God. They're praying, the Spirit of God moves, and supernatural things begin to happen. That's what we need to see. That's what God wants to do in these last days. It isn't just we, we just passively wait and hope that, that we don't get caught in the middle of all the crossfire of all the insanity of our world and that somehow we don't become a victim of it. No, no, no. God, you need to move on our behalf. Uh, Lord, you need to stretch forth. Just read the Bible. How many times did they pray uh, and God honored that prayer by stretching forth his hand? I believe we can do that. We can pray uh, and God will stretch forth his hand and begin to peel back those things. Begin to show favor. Begin to do miraculous things on a world level. They sought God. You need that in your life. And the third thing they did is they turned to worship. Because this changes everything about your emotional situation. Worship. Because worship is all about exalting God and highlighting His goodness and speaking of His deliverance. And when you do this, your view of things change. Because it's the words you speak that form your perspective. And if all you ever do is sit around and complain and and speak your fears and talk about all the horrible things, then that's what you're going to be. But if you begin to become a worshiper of God, exalting and lifting him up, listen to the words of their worship. Verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army, saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. There's a resolve that took place in these people. They went from jittery and uncertain and scared to confident. Praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. They were no longer petrified. They were no longer paralyzed. But they were walking upright in the presence of God in confidence in the God that they serve. Why? Because of worship. You do yourself no favors when you come to church and you don't break through in worship. No favors at all. That's a dynamic part of our church service. It's a dynamic part of our daily walk with God is worship. And when you start saying words like they started saying, you start believing it. This is the powerful God that we serve. You know what else? God is attracted to worship because it says we're reliant upon God. 
Certain things God's attracted to. Worship's one of them. Humility is another. So tonight, there will be times the storm is raging all around our lives. You know, if we're in tune with God, he's going to show us and he's going to give us windows of opportunity that will produce great victory and breakthrough. You got to make up your mind tonight. Because the battle is not yours, it's God's. And if you really get a hold of that, something will be totally transformed in your life. Doesn't mean you'll never have another struggle. Doesn't mean you'll not have one of those days from hell or even weeks from hell where you're just fighting at every turn and corner. Your mind, the lies of hell, insecurities, uncertainties, but you're going to get dominion more often than not. And you're going to power on for God. And you know what else you're going to see? You're going to see supernatural things that God's going to do for you in your circumstance, in your surroundings. Some of you, you are petrified by world events. That is not of God. That is not of God. That is straight from hell, the ultimate terrorist of all time, the devil himself. And I'll tell you what, you can get victory tonight if you'll just make up your mind. The battle's not ours, it's God's. God sits in heaven, he has the perfect seat. He sees the beginning, he sees the end, everything in between. And he'll stretch forth his hand any moment he wants to. And you know what will really help? When we really begin to lay hold of God. I was just reading in the book of Daniel, that's my... Uh, morning reading this morning and 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 when he's there and he's petitioning god and god's visiting him with visions uh, and 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 how he he prayed through in fasting and prayer for three weeks to the angel and he didn't know until the angel came and told him that he was withstood by the prince of persia withstood by demonic workings this will show you why we need to be praying because one prayer meeting doesn't break through It's a consistent bombardment uh, that you and I bring before heaven every day and multiple times a day that we're laying a hold of God. When I was coming to church tonight and and feeling the spirit of God, I had a, a mini prayer meeting on the way to church tonight, a Holy Ghost prayer meeting. Because God will visit you and help you. Because the battle is not yours, it's God's. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Allowing God to captivate us tonight. I tell you, God wants to help us. I tell you, there are, there are people that you've been bound. Bound in insecurity. Bound in fear. Bound in anxiety. It visits you frequently, multiple times a day. Sometimes you'll get a little dominion over it. And there it is again. I'm telling you, that's a spiritual terrorist from hell that we're going to pray for deliverance tonight. But you're going to set your eyes upon him. It's not what you can do. It's what God can do. For greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God wants to give you victory. God wants to give you confidence in him. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, a confidence that you know what? He is my God.
He will move for me. I'm telling you, it'll change the landscape of your life, your home, our church, everything we do. You're petrified by world events. You know, you need to get a grip. I know it's human to react to all the stuff that's going on, but you know what? God is in control. And if you're right with God, your epitaph is heaven. You're here tonight and you're not right with God. I really feel sorry for you because you don't have anywhere to turn. You turn to all the wrong places. But you know what? There's one you can turn to tonight. His name is Jesus. He'll change you. He'll set you free. He'll begin to do a miracle in your life. Those areas that have just been destroyed by sin, by life. A miracle. That's what we represent here. We don't represent all these good people. No, we represent the miracle of God. That when we accepted Christ, he began to do a miracle in our lives. Unbelievable miracle. Still is. And you're ready for that tonight. God is ready to do a miracle in your life. Beginning with forgiving you. You don't even understand it because you're so used to living under the weight of sin. You don't even understand how free you're going to be when you pray tonight. You're going to be like, wow. But you got to make the decision. You want to keep with the world and keep with your sin, then you're going to keep with where you're at. No guarantees. And if you do die without Jesus, you're not going to make it to heaven. God in his grace, love and mercy has spared you to this place in life so that you can be right with God. And you're here and you're ready to do that. I want to pray with you. I want to ask you to do something. I want you to lift your hand up. Just put it up and hold it up. I'm ready to pray tonight. Thank you. Who else? I'm ready to pray tonight. I'm ready to pray. I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus. Thank you here. Who else? I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm ready to surrender to his sovereignty that he's in control It'll set you free, I'm telling you. Who else? God's dealing with you. Ready to get your heart right. You can put that hand down. Thank you. I'm ready to get my heart right. I I don't know if you're backslidden tonight. I, I can't even imagine what that would be like, living in the world we live in, knowing what you know. Would you come to God tonight? Would you stop being dumb and come to God, surrender to Him? You're ready to get right. Lift your hand up. Who else? God's dealing with you right now. Put your hand up. We're going to pray with you. Go on record tonight. God is going to help you. He's ready to break through. Lifting your hand up all across this place. God's dealing with you. What are you waiting for? The devil loves to lie at this point of the service. Start filling your head with all manner of nonsense. You need to break through that and realize that God is waiting for you tonight. Who's that? God is calling you to himself. Come to Jesus. Lift your hand up. Okay. Thank you so much. Another honest heart. Who else? You can put that hand down. Thank you. Backslidden, come back to Christ. God's waiting on you tonight. The times are urgent. The times are desperate. God's waiting on you. Will you come to Jesus? Will you lift your hand up? Okay, you lifted your hand. I want you to look at me eye to eye. You meant that here, and you meant that here, right? I I believe you did. Somebody else... Lifted their hand. You're coming. All of you are coming and meeting me at this altar. They're coming with you. Come. Every other head is bowed and every eye is closed. 
the battle is the Lord's. You're going to have to have confidence in that. That noise makes sense. And as long as there's a devil, he always jumps on and pushes it to the limit. He'll jump on your insecurity. He'll jump on your fear. He'll jump into this crazy scenario of life and he'll begin to just push and push. He's a spiritual terrorist. That's what he does. And he always promotes worst case scenario, just like these people that report the news. Because they love pandemonium. They love people panicking. They, love, they, love, they feel so powerful when they give off all these scenarios that get people freaked out. That's the same way the devil is. It is not of God that you live paralyzed in fear because of world events. It is not of God. That's bondage. Let me personalize it. Get down to where you live because that's probably where the majority are. Things you're facing, things you're going through, stuff that's happening in your marriage, your home, your finances. All sorts of pressures. The battle is the Lord's. You need to stand still. You need to get control. You need to begin to seek God. Lay a hold of God through his word. His word will give you faith to pray in such a way that it will begin to move mountains. Remember what Jesus said. Faith is a grain of mustard seed will move a mountain. So often if we pray it's anemic at best or we're not praying with the empowering of his word in us that just emboldens us and puts confidence that when we're praying we're also praying the word of God and we're standing on that. Stand still, seek God, and turn to worship. It'll set you free, I'm telling you. Some of you, you need freedom tonight. You're facing something. For some of you, you're facing something that's out of the human ability to change. You can go to your own means and measures, or you can let this torment you and steal your joy and dictate your decisions, or you can get a grip tonight. You can get dominion by the blood of Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to guarantee you something. That if you get control, that you're going to begin to see things that you didn't think were possible in this circumstance. Because God's going to begin to move on your prayers. And he's going to give you victory. There are marriages here. And I'm saying this by the Spirit of God. There are marriages here that you're under the assault of circumstances and it's stealing your joy and it's beginning to divide you and it's causing tumult. I'm telling you, you need to get dominion tonight and God will set you free and your home will once again be a refuge. We're standing to our feet. We're answering the altar call. There's victory tonight.